This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Wrestling Network friends and family. Hello. Welcome to your home for everything current, up-to-date, modern-day professional wrestling, Place to Be Nation's main event. I am Scott Criscolo. Hello. It is the official, say it now, the official last episode of 2023. So we'll take the next two Fridays off for everyone to enjoy the Christmas holiday and New Year's. And we'll be back uh, with our first show of 2024 on January 5th. That'll be our end of year, our 2023 wrap-up show. Uh, uh, Hopefully my guest tonight will join me and a few others will join me. We'll talk about 2023, the year in wrestling. And boy, uh, was it a year. I'll tell you that. Um, And we look ahead to 2024 and see what kind of funny games we could do uh, this coming year. So this will be the last episode of the calendar year. We'll take the next two Fridays off. to enjoy, you know, the holidays, Christmas and New Year's. Everybody relax, have some fun, and then we'll hop back in. The next episode will be on, uh, will drop on Friday, January 5th, and we'll have our 2023 year in review. But we're going to have some fun tonight, uh, me and my uh, me and my man that uh, that is joining me this evening. Love this guy to death. Always have, always will, because I just love talking basketball with him. And he's just so much fun to talk hoops with. And um, we were just talking off air right now. I just rewatched on ESPN. I'm one of those guys that'll watch anything. I don't just watch like my team's stuff. Like when I go to the 30, like I'll peruse like the ESPN 30 for 30 library. I won't just watch uh, Once Upon a Time in Queens or Doc and Daryl or the ones only about my teams or uh, Celtics versus Lakers. I'll watch anything. And I just rewatched The Last Dance, which of course everyone knows was the 10 part. Uh, series on the final season of the Bulls in 97, 98, because that's what Phil Jackson called that season, The Last Dance. And it's about Michael. It's pretty much a Michael doc with other stuff. And we were just talking about it right now and about, uh, so I just, I could just talk about basketball with this guy all the time, but we talk wrestling here. There's a show where he talks about basketball um, with another good friend of mine. But we'll talk about that too later. Good evening, Boogie of the Bayou, Mr. Andrew Reich. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I, I am. I'm also one of those like casual Netflix people. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for the newest version from Netflix. It's CM Punk's. It's called the last chance. That's, that's what (laughs) it's a very, that that's, that one's about 10 parts long as well. (laughs) (laughs) Because every time you think it's the last chance, he gets another one. Um, um, have you watched the wrestlers um, docuseries on Netflix? The one where Al Snow uh, I watched yeah, the, the OVW one. I did. Yeah. Watch, I think I watched the first one. I haven't watched the rest of it. The one with Al Snow because obviously he runs OVW. Um, I liked it. It was pretty solid. Uh, it's funny because one of our clients at my company uh, was a network. They don't do it anymore, but they used to air uh, the weekly OVW TV every Friday night. So I sometimes would c- catch an eye on it. And I follow it. You, the, if you watch the YouTube, if you um, follow OVW's uh, YouTube channel, they have the show weekly, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was solid. I got to finish watching. I, I I think I got like an episode and a half in. Um, speaking of Netflix, did you see, Boogie, on a side note, next summer, 
we're going to have a fourth Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Going to be yes. called Axel F. I don't know why. That's the stupidest fucking name I've heard. And the the remix of the of the Beverly Hills Cop song is terrible. I'm probably the minority, <laughs> and I don't care. It sounds like crap. But anyway, I'm looking forward to the fourth because I love I love Eddie and I love uh, the Beverly Hills Cop uh, series. Yeah, so, I actually just finally did the downgrade to the basic with the ads. I I, I finally gave in. They said, "Oh yeah, you, your price I is going too. up again." And I said, "Nope, <laughs> no, <Yep>. it's not." <laughs> Well, it's funny because I needed to downgrade the Netflix because I'm going to be upgrading uh, my Impact or TNA Plus, which we're going to talk about in a little bit um, because that's obviously a big thing happening in 2024. Um, Let's begin, though, uh, Boogie. Let's talk about uh, shows that have happened the last couple of weeks. Uh, Speaking of TNA, Impact, back on the 9th, so last Saturday night, the same night, actually, uh, this is weird. Rare that, well, this is this wasn't a pay-per-view. This was a Impact Plus specific, so this doesn't really count. But the same night as NXT Deadline was Impact's final resolution, the final big show of 2023 uh, 20, uh, for Impact. It took place in Mississauga, Ontario at the Don Colliff Arena, which they've been at before, and I'm pretty sure Ring of Honor's been there too. Um, they had a ton of matches. There was uh, three matches on the pre-show. PCO defeated Jesse V, Jack Price beat Aiden Prince, and Frankie K beat Sheldon Jean by submission. Uh, the matches proper, uh, ABC kept their world tag titles. They beat Brian Myers and Eddie Edwards by pinfall. Jody Threat uh, defeated Alicia Edwards by pinfall. Tommy Dreamer defeated Diener to retain the digital media title. Those are the only two title matches. Uh, Speedball Mountain, which was Trent Seven and Mike Bailey. Trent Seven is now officially an impact, which is pretty cool. Uh, he and uh, Mike Bailey defeated the Rascals, Zach Wentz and Trey Miguel by pinfall. I heard that was an excellent match. Uh, I got to check that one out. Um, Jake Something defeated Jason Hotch by pinfall. Rhino defeated Moose by DQ in under two minutes. So I got to check out what happened there. Moose then defeated Rhino by pinfall in a street fight right after. Uh, Trinity and Jordan Grace defeated Deanna Perrazzo and Giselle Shaw by pinfall. Of course, we might not be seeing Deanna Perrazzo too much longer in Impact. And in the main event, a banger of a tag match that went almost half an hour, 2808. Zack Sabre Jr. and Josh Alexander, so ZSJ, a Steve Willey favorite, uh, and Josh Alexander defeated the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Sabin, and the world, the Impact World Champion Alex Shelley by pinfall. Sounds like a pretty fun show. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that a Zack Sabre Jr. match was great. <laughs> wow. I'm looking forward to, you know, it's funny. I'm glad you said that, Boogie, because I'm looking forward to you and Mr. Willie discussing Mr. Sabre because ZSJ is a Steve Willie favorite. So yeah. um, I don't know. Enough sarcastic. Of, By the way, if it went over anyone's I'm being sarcastic. Like oh. I, Zack Sabre Jr. I think is amazing, you know, oh. so when they oh, brought him fun. in. Uh, when they brought an Osprey in, you just knew, okay, these guys are going to come in. They're going to mix up with some guys and have some great matches. I'm disappointed. I thought you were going to turn heel. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> you're the Ricky Steamboat of podcast uh, talent anyway. I can never see you turning heel. Anyway, um, <laughs> depends on the time. Depends on the show, I guess. Um, so, again, this was the last big show for Impact this year. Their next show is going to be their first pay-per-view of 2024, which actually, no, scratch that. Uh, the next show, their next official show is No Surrender, um, which I believe is going to be, um, their next show is going to be 
Oh no, it'll be no, it's in February. Sorry, it is. It, it, this is the last. Yeah, that's actually uh, New Orleans. That's in New yeah, Orleans. Yeah, the next. Yeah, the next. That's that's the next uh, Impact Plus monthly. That'll be in February. Of course, January thirteenth is their first big pay per view of the year. It is Hard to Kill. It is in Vegas, and that is when they will officially become TNA again. Um, I'm actually excited about that. Um, the other news that came out of that is Impact Plus is going the Impact Plus the stream, which content wise I love. Interface is freaking garbage, so I'm very happy that Endeavor streaming. Yes, that Endeavor. In case you didn't know, that Endeavor uh, is going to be taking over the uh, streaming for TNA Plus. TNA Plus will officially launch. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, on the 20 uh, on the uh, 15th, it will launch exactly three weeks from today on January 5th. Uh, the day that that our next episode of main event drops is when Impact Plus will become TNA Plus, uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, I think you're going to see some changes. We won't go too deep in the weeds on this one, uh, Boogie, because we'll go more into the year of TNA and our or the year for Impact uh, in our show in a few couple weeks. But mm-hmm. The roster, I like the Impact roster. I like the talent top to bottom. Uh, obviously, uh, Will Ospreay is not there. He'll be officially in, in uh, AEW. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is here probably on a loner. Um, they did get Trent Seven, but there is a strong, obviously, rumors very strong that Deanna Perrazzo will be gone. Her contract's up, and she pretty much has done everything she can in, in Impact. She's multiple knockouts champion. She's the virtuoso. She's amazing. Um yeah. And she'll either be heading to uh, uh, AEW or WWE. I lean more towards AEW because I'm sure she's still pissed off at WWE for. She um she had a cup of coffee in, uh, in AEW a couple times in the last year. Um, she I think did, she even yeah, main evented a show where she wrestled Mercedes Martinez. Yeah, she um a lot of I think a lot of people did a lot of <laughs> Camille uh, did that from you know obviously NWA's Camille uh, she, her ter- and she's going to be leaving too. So two huge free agents. Uh, two huge women's free agents, Camille and Deanna Perrazzo, uh, will be floating around early in 2024. What do you think of the roster, Boogie? We, before we get into, we're not going to get into like the future or the past. Just the g- roster in general. I read off some names to you. We did, I didn't say Steve Macklin, um, and then obviously I didn't. Trinity didn't wrestle on this show. The the Knockouts champion. What are your overall thoughts on the Impact roster, top to bottom? What do you think of it? Um, the men's roster is solid. Uh, I've actually gone to an Impact show two years ago. It was actually the same show title as the one that TNA is going to have that you were just talking about, the aforementioned No Surrender. And uh, I went to that one when it's when it was still Impact Wrestling. And you get at the time I saw people who aren't who are no longer with them. Like uh, I saw Jay White and uh, I saw uh, W Morrissey now Big Bill. Like and they. It was a solid show where the wrestling was good. Um, the part that I really am more um, uh, fascinated about where in terms of impact wrestling and the way that they're in, in TNA and how they develop is their women's wrestling. I think their women's wrestling division is actually very good. And they're actually probably better at developing women's talents than than the other two are. Um, even though WWE has definitely like a, an advantage from a talent standpoint uh, for the females. And then for AEW, I think it's just a matter of being able to 
buy off some of those uh, some of those women's wrestlers so that they can get them to go to uh, uh, to AEW and leave Impact. But I think TNA develops their female talent better. They put them in main events. You know, Trinity has probably been in a main event a couple of times already. Yeah. <laughs> Any promotion where in 2024 Alex Shelley is the champion kind of worries me. Um, and I, and I don't try to say that in a way to like mock Alex Shelley. It's just that I think there's just better options. It's just a matter of that. They don't really have it. They don't have that many alternatives in the, in the men's roster for people to hold the title. Cause the moment they're going to put the belt on somebody who's young and up and coming, they're going to, mm-hmm. they're, they're probably just going to leave in, in free agency. So I understand like the. Like, like if Eddie Edwards was the champion, it wouldn't shock me, but it'd be like, really? Eddie Edwards? He's been there for 10 years, you know? He has been. As a matter of fact, he was, he was, when, when uh, JR and I interviewed him on the very, one of the earliest episodes of the Place Be podcast, he was still in ROH, actually. And then he, uh, so he's been, yeah, he's been there almost, uh, yeah, almost 10 years, I think now. Pretty close. Yeah. Um, But he's comfortable there. He's had good, he's had good feuds. Um, He's former champion. Um, so I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, Steve Macklin, Steve Macklin's an interesting one because again, he's married to, in real life, he's married to Deanna Perrazzo and she's not staying. So, uh, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, look at, look at, uh, um, look at Rhea Ripley and Buddy Murphy, Buddy Murphy, look at, yeah. uh, Chelsea Green and, uh, Matt Cardona, you know, she's, mm-hmm. she's a, she's amazing in WWE and he's still, you know, flopping around the indies. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so that doesn't being that doesn't mean anything, but um I like Macklin and I think Macklin's a guy that'll st- that that's good for impact. So, I wouldn't if I were him, I'd just let his wife go do something else and he could be I but, think he'd be solid. But it also wasn't a coincidence that, you know, even CM Punk was thinking about going there, even though they probably from a financial offer standpoint it was they were never going to be able to match what AEW or WWE were were going to be able to give him, but Correct. You know, it, it does have that big fish in a small pond like uh, scenario for people where you go there and you're like, hey, we could put you in a really nice spot to look good, but you have to buy in. And that's the thing about Impact. They buy in. You know, right. nobody really like uh, nobody is like mentally checked out or like like you watch people like Crazy Steve. Crazy Steve actually goes out there and tries to do his best to build a kit to like mold a character. He's not there being like, oh, man, I'm just here to like even in AEW, which, you know, I follow really closely. I can see it a, a mile away where people are like, man, I'm, I'm just here to cash a check. And that's disappointing. Whereas with the impact, I don't think they even have the resource to do that. If they have somebody right. who doesn't want to be there, they're like, you know what? Your contract is per diem or whatever it is, or it's coming up soon. We'll let you go. And they'll probably be somebody on the cut lines over the last six months with WWE and AEW that they can, like you mentioned, Trent Seven. There's probably another one that nobody's thinking about. Well, they'll pick them up if PR, when Perrazzo's gone and they they can fill a spot and they bring that person in and, you know, they get right. a brand new opportunity and they can, you know, deliver and they might deliver some great matches. I mean, I, I would probably say a lot of people have been, um, uh, satisfied with the way Trinity Fatu has been booked in uh, Impact Wrestling, like they she's like awesome. that version of her, right? What's funny about her is I think she's in a better spot almost than uh, than Mercedes uh, Mercedes Banks A, 
because she's kind of floating around aimlessly, whereas Trinity got – I'm glad she they didn't go, like, as a, as a package deal anywhere. I'm glad Trinity did her own thing, and she's amazing in uh, in in Impact. I love Trinity. Um, she's probably better off not being in the bloodline. Um, well, there's no bloodline anymore, really, I guess, in a grand scheme of things, but um, – so that was final resolution. We'll get more. We'll, we're going to talk more impact. The other thing is, and and I think it's a good deal, but we'll talk about it. The other deal, well, not the fiscals, but they do have a package that uh, TNA Plus will have where you can. It's like a one year. It's it's a one time payment for the year, and it includes all four pay per views. So that's a pretty good deal too. But we'll talk more about that down the line. Um, the other show that happened on Saturday night that was also streaming somewhere and. Uh, I had the privilege of being invited live to see it. Thank you, Tiff. I love you. Uh, my uh, One of my dearest and best friends works for WWE, and she was nice enough to get me a ticket. And uh, it means the world to me. That is, of course, Deadline, which was this past Saturday night in Bridgeport at the uh, Total Mortgage Arena. Uh, this is the second or third... Uh, NXT pay-per-view I was at? Maybe second? Okay. I'm trying to remember. I was at this one. I was at uh, whatever it was called, TakeOver 25 or whatever, 30 in 29. It was the last live wrestling show I went to before the pandemic. It was right okay. after – It was right after. oh, no, I've been to a ton of TakeOvers, actually. What am, what am I talking about? Um, but that, I think, was uh, – that was the second one in Bridgeport. Uh, I think it was TakeOver 30 when Adam Cole actually beat uh, Johnny G for the world title. In the two out of three falls. That was in, that was on my birthday, June 1st of 2019. Yep. Uh, pretty good, solid crowd. The show uh, started off hot and then kind of pooped out at the end. I'll explain why in a minute. Here's your card. Uh, we're way past the statute of limitations. So, um, for spoilers, it's now been, what, six days? Uh, Dragon Lee, the one title change. Your new North American champion defeated Dirty Dom in, uh, at 10.33. It was actually a fun a uh, fun back and forth match. I like Dom more and more. Uh, Blair Davenport won the Iron Survivor Challenge as hard as Lash Legend tried. Uh, she fell a, pin, a, a, a pinfall short. So Blair Davenport will take on Vi, uh, uh, Lyra Valkyra uh, at New Year's Evil, which is the first uh, NXT show of 2024 on January 2nd for the uh, Women's Championship. She She finished with three pins. Uh, Lash Legend had two, Fallon Henley and Tiffany Stratton had one apiece, and Kalani Jordan had zero. Uh, Carmelo Hayes defeated Lexus King, Baby Brian, in uh, 11-12. That was a fun little match. I like uh, Lexus King. I, I like that, that his name's not Brian Pillman Jr. I think that's stupid. I like Lexus King. <laughs> in a probably the match of the night, the men, and I think this should have ended the show, the Men's Iron Survivor Challenge. What a fun match. Pinfalls all around. And what a run at the end. It was like the Reggie Miller uh, against the Knicks of wrestling. Trick Williams, who was shut out of pinfalls for the first, like, 23 minutes and 50 seconds, pulled four pinfalls out of his butt in the last 70 seconds or something like that. And he won the Iron Survivor Challenge. Trick Williams, four pinfalls. Jack had three. Tyler Bate had three. Braun Breaker had three. He got his three the first, like, 30 seconds he got into the match. He speared three guys and got three pins and then got shut out the rest of the way. And uh, uh, Josh Briggs finished with two. So it's a much more exciting match than the women's in terms of pinfalls. But Trick Williams literally got four pins in, like, the last 
85 seconds and snuck out the win. So he will face uh, the NXT champion, whoever that may be. I'll tell you who that is, at least at the end of the night was. Also at New Year's Evil uh, for the NXT title, which is the first NXT episode of the new year, which will be Tuesday night, January 2. Um, Kiana James defeated Roxanne Perez in a steel cage match. Um, I probably had unrealistic expectations for this match because I love steel cage matches and I love Kiana James. Um, I do like Roxanne Perez too. She's of course a Booker T alum. Uh, but I, I feel like they, they had an extra gear they could have gone and didn't. Um, so I, uh, I was uh, bummed about that, um, that that did not happen. Uh, but it was still a good match in 1127. Um, uh, so I'm very excited that that match happened, but it did not happen. Uh, it didn't hit that extra gear for me. And then finally, the main event, Ilya Dragunov successfully defended his NXT championship in 20 minutes and 55 very boring seconds over Baron Corbin. A lot of people, maybe I'm in the minority, but a lot of people I read kind of lauded this match and really enjoyed the grinding you know, the, the war of attrition thing. Maybe that's what they were going for, but I got to be honest, even live, I was bored. Maybe it looked better on TV, but live, I was bored. I would have flip-flopped this match and the Iron Survivor Challenge, but then they couldn't do what they did at the end of the show, which was they played Trick Williams' music and Trick came up the ramp and kind of did the whole pointing at you thing to Ilya Dragunov, telling him that mm-hmm. uh, I'm next. Uh, and he is next. Um, at uh, at New Year's Evil. Um, your overall thoughts on the show, Boogie? And am I wrong? I mean, I feel like the show; those last two matches just kind of pooped out at the end, and I just thought the 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 main event was just really boring. Oh, boring Corbin! Boring Corbin, <laughs> pretty much boring yeah. Corbin. He is. Um, he is. the story I think they were trying to tell was the fact that even though you know. Baron Corbin has had, you know, he's fallen short in all pretty much all the main event feuds he's had that 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 Ilya couldn't pin him or couldn't beat him at going into it. And that Corbin had had his number and that he basically had every physical advantage on Dragunov. Um, But Dragunov, he sort of is at that point. Even though I think Meltzer is a little higher on him than uh than than I than I would like, but I do think that Ilya Dragunov is a fantastic like talent at NXT, and I think even though I, I don't think persona wise he's like the greatest, I don't like he's not somebody who when I see him on TV I, ha- I like he's like I'm drawn to watching it. In terms of his matches, he's great. Um. That's why I think it's kind of this. That's why I, I'm I'm sort of on board with what you're saying. Where when I came away from the Corbin match, I didn't feel like you know when he was wrestling Carmelo and when he wrestled Dijak, like those matches, like they had those other people had to really raise the stakes a little bit um, in order to match his intensity. And this match really didn't do it. Like it didn't feel like the intensity level went up uh, when Cor- Corbin was sort of at half speed the entire time. And I, yeah, I can understand being disappointed by it. Overall, the show I thought was good. I did watch it um, on Peacock. Uh, I actually thought the women's Iron Survivor was better overall, but the ending was flatter 
than the men's one. The men's one ended a lot better. And it just kind of goes yep. back to the philosophy of wrestling of like, do you like a show with, do you like a match with a great ending, but kind of like a lot, a little bit of like laying around um, in the middle? Or do you like a match that's just great all together, but it kind of flames out at the end? And um, that's a great example of like the women's match kind of flamed out at the end, but the men's match really kind of like hustled to the finish and really got people going with Trick Williams making like the three one comeback, if you will, uh, to 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 win the the Iron Survivor. Um, I'll say this: the men I had seen quite a bit who were in that Iron Survivor. The women I had not, and you know. We saw a little bit of her when she wrestled Becky Lynch, but Tiffany Stratton is really, really good. And that's the first I've really seen in terms of spotlight of Lash Legend. And she is fucking strong. Like, they even had a little spot where she slams Otis on NXT leading up to that. Yeah, she did. me and my friend Ryan, we always laugh at metaphor because we think that the the Noam Dar one that I don't know if you remember this, the angle where Noam Dar was like um, catatonic because he lost the Heritage Cup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we thought that was the funniest. We uh, here's the thing about NXT as a show, and and I guess I can kind of link this towards dead, uh, the deadline uh, pay per view, the the PLE uh, that you went to is that. The show, the episodic program on Full Sail, it feels like I'm watching Nickelodeon. Like, I try my best. What I've learned now is that I go into it not taking it that seriously, uh, almost like it's a funhouse. Like, right. I can, like, it doesn't shock me it's going to be on the CW, which has, like, you know, the, it had Supergirl and it had Riverdale and it had a couple yeah. of, like, a kind of weird tweener shows like it's it's not shocking to me that NXT is going to wind up there because that's sort of the vibe that it gives me where it's like it's a little worse it's a little risque but it's very very like um it's very tacky and it's very it, it, it looks pretty there's a lot of there's a I mean I think CM Punk will agree with you there's a lot of pretty girls down there in Orlando <laughs> at the performance center <laughs> They have some talent for sure, um, and they have a lot of different people they can throw at you. Like, um, they had this really random one where I think Joe Gacy is like a big fan of Vic Joseph, and he just follows him. Is that what they're doing? Right. Like, like they got so many different p- things that that Shawn Michaels booking it can throw at you, but the show itself is kind of zany and silly, almost like DDT in Japan. But once they actually have to slap together a show. I think they actually deliver really well. I liked the deadline show. Um, I didn't mention some of the other matches that you ran down, but um, like Dragon Lee filling in for Wesley because he went out with a back injury. I thought that was a good match to open the show. Um, uh, Mello versus <laughs> Mello versus, I mean, Brian Pillman. It, it, the only thing this, that the WWE's done to me that I will never forget for is that they're trying to make me watch Brian Pillman Jr. again. Like, <laughs> I just, I just think he's. <laughs> I don't see the potential there, you know, Uh, and and the the cage match was disappointing. I'll say this about Kiana James, though. It it was the first time I've really watched her. She's freaking she's tall and strong. Like, I think she's got the build to be a um, a really good performer. And that's sort of what NXT is. It's all like raw round, like no pun intended, but it's like very, very rough around the edges. But if you really hone in some of the talents and you give them opportunities to have these types of matches like the Iron Survivor and um, other other types of things, 
um, I almost like don't take the episodic stuff seriously anymore. So that the show that you attended, that's the that's the treat. That's when you really get to watch them blossom. It's almost like um, it's almost like getting to watch them have their like high school play, <laughs> if that makes right. any sense. Right. But it was a good show overall. Is it is it on the level of the takeovers? Absolutely not. Like oh, I'll no. take those takeovers that 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 where the the marquee people were Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano and uh, Samoa Joe and Finn Balor and Kevin. Th- those were unbelievable shows because the talent was unbelievable. And Triple H was booking it with Shawn Michaels booking it and the type of direction that they're going in. They're not going in with this idea of like, hey, we really need to show that we're better than WWE. This is truly a funnel system for WWE. Yeah, that's another thing you got to take into account, too, is that uh, this is a different NXT than the NXT then. That NXT was full of experienced workers that ran the indie circuit and came in already ready to go. This NXT is a little bit less experienced and kind of grew in the PC, so it's a different it's a different patience level than the NXT of 2015, 16, 17 with, you know, uh, to this day, I still think the greatest NXT feud of all time is Joe and knock. I mean, those matches were uh, brilliant, mm-hmm. but you also had two guys who were like legitimate <laughs> veterans, you know, that are just amazing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a different NXT, but it is. the show was, the show was a lot of fun. I enjoyed seeing it live. Obviously, the crowd. Um, I don't want to say the punk pops have died down, but now he's here. It's like, eh, you know. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Oh, Phil showed up. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. At the very beginning. Phil came in there the was beginning. A, there was a nice little moment where Shawn Michaels was there, and, you know, and punk, punk and him meet. And he, yeah, um, they, he there was some, there was some. There was some ad libbing that didn't that go that yes, kind of very much ad libbing. They literally like ran out of. Th- I think they actually forgot their lines or something like that because well, that a plus uh, Punk was in the middle. Quiet and, and the music hits. Right, and Punk was in the middle. Yeah, he was in the middle of a sentence. But the best, the one part I did like is when Sean looks at and and uh, Punk's wearing a Brett hoodie, pretty cool Brett hoodie, and Sean goes, "Nice hoodie." And Brett's and, and Punk goes, "What? He turned it up." It was really good. <laughs> um, that was that was a lot of fun. Um. There is some news about Punk and NXT. I kind of wanted to bring to your attention, Boogie, and I think this is kind of what he wanted to do in AEW um, and was treated a little more hostile than he was than this time. But he has been hovering around the Performance Center um, this week. Uh, he went to right after the Raw appearance. On Monday, he flew to Orlando, spent the day at the Performance Center with the talent, and stayed for the tapings. And not just, like, hanging out with the talent. He was at the Gorilla. He was sitting at the table with the, you know, where, like, Sean sits, where Triple H used to sit, with the, you know, with the headset. And he was talking about production. And he was um, – I have a feeling that when Sean retires or if, if Sean wants a right-hand man, that I think Punk wants to do that. I think Punk's looking ahead to the end of his career career. And this is a question I was going to bring up at the end of the show. But since we're talking about Punk, why don't we talk about it now? I feel like people are angry or miffed that Punk is so happy. Um, he is on cloud nine right now 
in WWE. And I've said this all along why, but I'll get to that in a second because I want definitely want your thoughts. Um, if it, it, it feels like people were hoping that Punk would immediately start pissing people off. And apparently it's the furthest thing from the truth, which makes gives me some pause about what happened in AEW. Um, but he's apparently hung out at the PC. You know, he only has to be on one show. He he only has to be on Monday night, so he could do whatever he wants the rest of the week. Um, which is one reason I think he picked Raw, or they, not he, but in storyline he picked Raw over SmackDown. I think he was going to be on Raw anyway, because obviously he's going to feud with with Seth, not Roman. Um, because I also think that the schedule for him to go down to the PC and hang out at, with the NXT crew, and apparently they love him down there. He sits in the lounge and chit chats with them and says, listen, I'm honestly open to anything you guys want to talk about, um, you know, and apparently the roster's kind of opening up to it. But I feel like, Boogie, with all the reading I've done on Twitter, now Twitter's, of course, Twitter is a cesspool of unflushed poop, but like most social media, um, it's if, all I see is how people are like, you know, like almost angry, like, why isn't he pissing people off yet? He should already have been fired. I don't know if that's just the tribalism returning or if it's just what is going on. Like, what is this fever dream? I think he legit, this is my take. And I've said this on the show many times with Steve, with Nate, and the couple times you've been back. Two things. Number one, I think Punk realizes WWE is a, comp- is a corporation run by professional business executives. Whereas AEW was run by a fanboy. And I think that, I think he, I think he thought that AEW was slightly less professional than he was hoping for. I think Collision was his show that he could book and run and take care of and be in charge of. And instead of the talent warming up to it, they rebelled because they're a bunch of brats. Having said that, Punk did not handle it well. He could have handled it better as a professional. He did not. But I think now here in NXT and here in the WWE, he's realizing, all right, yeah, these guys have their dark sides, but they're they're this is a different WWE. Triple H is not the Triple H of 2014. There is no Vince. And this company is primed for big things in the future. And I need to look ahead to my future. Um so I think Punk is just more comfortable being in a company run by by professional executives and he's got bosses. He res- as much as he's anti-authority and all that, I think he respects having bosses. I think he felt like Tony Khan was a weak boss. I think Tony Khan thought that he could be a fanboy and he would he if he kisses Punk's ass enough, Punk would 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 acquiesce. Instead, I think Punk's like this guy has like no fucking like any <laughs> Uh, you know, management, anything. And he got, he got stomped all over and then the talent treated him like a fucking asshole. So that's my take. That's why I think punk is, is, is happy in NXT in WWE at the moment. Will something piss him off? Eh, who knows? No, I'm not, a, I'm not Nostradamus. I'm not going to pretend to know anything. Cause everybody thinks that <laughs> everyone thinks they could fucking read tea leaves. They can't. That's my theory. What do you think? So there's a lot of angles to this, um, because obviously, you know, me and Jordan Duncan, we did we do the AEW show um, where we chronicled pretty much most of Punk's run there. 
um, because once we because we we did go on a hiatus, but when we did, um, it was right when Punk um, got terminated for um, for the All in London incident with Jack Perry. But the thing about Punk that I can say is that he made some very memorable moments there in all elite wrestling. I do miss him. I wish he, he was able to work it out. I thought when collision was spearheaded by him and FTR, it was different. It was, it had a unique perspective um, and design versus the way Tony Khan books dynamite. And it was kind of a breath of fresh air, uh, which kind of gives me the sense that maybe Phil Brooks is in a position where, he would like to dabble into the production side of professional wrestling so that he can guide the future. Um, even when he would do interviews talking about the cast, or I guess you could say, of Collision, he always complimented certain people. And I'm sure that it was a really nice feeling to be able to go to NXT, and there's literally um, uh, one of the stars there is Cora Jade. Cora Jade literally yeah. went went to, as a kid, went to one of the Q&As for CM Punk breaking down in tears because she idolized him. Right. And I'm sure she's not alone. I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there who are in NXT who are trying to make it in WWE who probably... You know, it's weird, Scott. Um, I talked to J- Jordan about the to about this like a while ago that we're sort of in this age where people that like you and I who've been watching wrestling since you know the eighties and such, we don't look at the Kevin Owenses and the Finn Balors and the Seth Rollinses and the John Moxleys, and we and we might not necessarily look at them and say, man. They've really like they've influenced a generation because we kind of look at them like, what do you mean? Like they're they're just on the come up compared to people like Hogan and Flair and Sting who we've been watching. But the truth is, in the new generate in the new wave of wrestling talent that's mm-hmm. coming up in WWE and AEW and Impact Wrestling and NWA, these people like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and um, John Moxley and um, Brian Danielson and CM Punk, these people are gods. Yep. Like they, they they influenced them in so many ways. And for Punk to be able to grace his presence there and feel like, oh wow, we really want your input on things. We think you can be a wise man, uh, like Shawn Michaels has been and like Paul Heyman has been. I that has to be a great feeling to be able to go there and feel like, man, my advice has positive value. I will say that because of his incident, and I agree with you on this one, because uh, I don't want to go too long about it. That no, okay. the the I do think that because of his incidents in AEW, where he definitely acted unprofessionally, the Hangman action figure promo that he cut for no reason at all, a collision just to get a rise out of the elite, um, stuff like that. He is definitely on a short leash in WWE. This is yes. did he get a big money deal? Absolutely. Do we know the figure? No, it was probably about the same as what he got in AEW. But the thing is, he is not I don't want to say he it's zero tolerance, but I have to think that there's certain provisions in there where it's like you cannot pull the shit that you did in all elite. No, wrestling. there is a behavior clause. Uh I thought maybe you were on that week that we talked about it. He there is a behavior clause in the deal. 
Okay. Well, that makes, and that would make sense. I mean, sometimes there are just unique circumstances for every, you know, for every talent or where it's like, hey, um, this is one thing we can't let you do, you know, um, because there's a history there. And Punk's got to be on his best behavior. And I think that's more that's more attuned to what you're watching now than 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 than. You know, I don't. Here's the funny. I think it would have been funny if Punk did what he did, what what he did when he went to Collision, and he just showed up in WWE. And said, "I'm tired of being nice." <laughs> that would have really rattled the cages. Like instead, gotten these very, let's be honest, we've gotten very PG Punk promos. Um, yes, we are, are his promos great. Yes, but they're very carefully scripted and worded. Yeah, and it's protected within the prism of of. I am a character in the WWE universe. Like I almost, I almost, I've always said this. I've almost likened a wrestler in WWE to an actor in the Marvel or DC cinematic universe. You have to just find your way to fit. And then you can sink your teeth in once you get down the character that you have and they give you the creative license to do so. Um, Punk also likes a challenge. Um, and WWE going back to world wrestling entertainment is a challenge. Um, I think he really wanted to push hard in AEW at some point where he felt like, man, there's more here than that we can tap into than what we, than, than just me beating every bad guy of the week and going over. And maybe Tony Khan was a bit too much. He was, he was a pushover and maybe it caused a lot of issues because, they had wrestlers who felt like, oh, you you just suck up to the boss and get whatever you want, and uh, uh, we'll just uh, do the millennial thing where we say a bunch of real shady shit on the internet and pass rumors around, and Punk fell for it. He got suckered into the pettiness, and yep. um, that's um, – and li- li- listen, in WWE, there's pettiness too. You know, um, I, it's going to get really interesting when we get to March. And uh, we uh, get to yes. one of these nights of WrestleMania, and uh, Trip Paul Levesque's got to make a choice of like, because let's be honest, we we're not at the Royal Rumble yet. We could talk about it uh, like freehand at the end, but Sam Punk is probably going to wrestle Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, and it's probably going to be the main event. I'm sure Seth Rollins is really really jazzed to do it until we get to that weekend or that week. In Philadelphia, and it's like, yeah, Seth, Punk's going over here. <laughs> and uh, that's, you know, Punk was really bitter. You know, remember when he, um, you know, breaking news, Punk was bitter about something. When he didn't feel like he was getting, like, the royal treatment when he was the champion in 2013. He felt like, man, I did all this work, and then I have to job to Cena, and I have to job to Rock, and I have to job to Undertaker. Well, guess what, Scott? He turned it around over a course of a decade, regardless of how, what avenue he took, and now he's that guy. He is that guy that comes in part-time and is like, okay, my spot. And I am interested to see where that goes once really like it comes down to brass tacks. But right now, it's all pretty tranquil and peaceful and nice and happy. Uh, because Punk's in a new environment, and he's just kind of like, "Hey, it's Phil. Phil's back, and I've changed, and <laughs> all." And you know, he even did an apology. Didn't he apologize to the fans of WWE for walking out? 
Yep. Um, because they were in Cleveland, which was the same city where he had walked out in 2014. Yeah, because yeah, that rumble was in Pittsburgh. Yep. Let me say, let me counter with this though. Has he said an apology to anyone in AEW? I don't know if he can. There is a gag order, but mm-hmm. do you think he would have anyway? Uh, specifically within the company, no. Yeah, like uh, like Nick and Matt Hangman. I'm sorry, no. I did that. No. You see, that's that's where I think the. Well, but here's the thing. That's why I'm saying it's still there. It's somewhere. But would they have Bill Brooks had that turns the knife on people. He's still there. But would they have Boogie? No. Okay. Matt and Nick would not have, and they're just as guilty. That is a narrative that we don't have to rabbit hole, but there's definitely something there. I yeah, know definitely. a lot of people are talking sure. about that little clip in Collision where he did the victory lap, and it was not a coincidence that Punk did the same thing when Raw closed when he came back. <laughs> of course he did. In sure. uh, uh, Nashville. Of course he did that. He yeah, did totally. that as a big fuck you to Nick and Matt Jackson for when they paraded around the ring celebrating that Punk was gone in Chicago on Collision. But let me say this about let me say this too about leadership. Mm-hmm. Nick and Matt, they can say what they want, and they can throw and they can be as mis- mischievous on the internet as they can to try to get clicks. That doesn't get ratings, Scott. No, it doesn't. And that's a problem for them right are, now. And when, yep. And when you are a per and when you are a star and you are needed, and look. God bless Kenny Omega. He's out there trying to hang in there with Chris Jericho cutting the worst promos of all fucking time. But at least Kenny Omega's out there on television to promote a match that he'll be on a pay-per-view for. A tag match. Where's Nick and Matt Jackson? Exactly. They're nowhere. Because they are... They even canceled BTE. You know, and it's like... What's going on? And I think what it to be honest with you, Scott, and this is just me spe- mm-hmm. wildly speculating. I think they dipped out because they know the narrative is going to turn towards man. Nick and Matt are, are um, selfish people, and they took business off of our table in AEW because they yeah. they pushed Punk out of the picture. And All when right. they heard Punk was going to WWE, they were like, we need to get out of here before the fans turn on us. And we need to have a new image when we come back. Here's the problem. When they come back – like, what kind of AEW are they walking into? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, because they have we'll new talk deals. About AEW in a, well, yeah, we'll talk about AEW in a second because obviously they've got they've got a show coming up uh, two weeks from tomorrow. Money, money is no object for WWE. I don't even know if we're going to have enough time to talk about all the complexities going on where some people are speculating that WWE is trying to get in with Warner. Like, there's so much there that is all speculation that I don't even know if it's worth going down that, like, that whole uh from what i from what sean ross Sapp said and i know he's one of those guys who you know likes to kiss his own butt he's been duped uh, though he's been duped though yeah that that they have talked to warner brothers but raw is still very wide open and um i think uh i think we're not going to figure out what's in those tea leaves for till we're pretty deep into 2020 I, i think it's nba first once NBA decides what they're going to do, then we'll know. If NBA goes back to Warner, Warner's out. Warner's not going to be a player for Raw. You know? No, because Raw will not be preempted, which is why AEW kind of gets boned. 
Because was it? I mean, AEW was. I mean, Dynamite was on TNT, and then they got moved to TBS. I mean, what does that tell you? Well, they did that because TNT was causing preemptions for them um, because of the sports programming on that they were committed to, especially the NHL. So TBS gave them more of a uh, of a solid time slot because there wasn't as many sports on TBS. So I actually, yeah, see, that's ultimately the. That's ultimately the problem there, Boogie, because with with Warner, because they're always going to have sports. So mm-hmm. any show that they have on a regular basis on their network is always going to have some type look of at, preemption. Look at Netflix. We were just talking about Netflix as terms of just watching documentaries and stuff, Scott. Look at what else they're doing. Aren't they doing this one where Rafael Nadal and another one is going to have like a showdown live? Uh, the Formula One racing is there. They're trying to dip in, too. You know, do I think there are serious competitors, suitors for a WWE programming uh, in terms of Raw being on Netflix? No, no, I no. don't see it. But no, they're I, trying I, to get into live sports. Live sports is the the big, the big ticket. Totally. It's totally the big ticket. Um, but I, I just wanted to talk about that. And I wish Steve was able to make it on tonight. But Steve will join us in uh, for the year end special for the first episode of the new year. Um because I'm curious his thoughts, because I really wonder that I feel like the T the, 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 that the tone right now is that that people are, are surprised and almost irritated that punk is is very happy. Will something irk him? Yes. Do I think he will take it public? No. This is a different WWE than than it was 11 years ago. I'll, I think. I'll say this part and I'll finish my uh, my punk side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't ever let some let somebody take your sunshine away. That's just that's just a that's just more of like a like a life advice thing. So right. I've never really liked the idea of like, man, I hate that this person's happy. Like when Kevin Durant was winning titles with the Warriors, man, it makes me miserable that he's happy. That no, like it's okay he made his choice. What I don't like about CM Punk, and it's part of the rumors that we just talked about involving Warner. So I don't want to sit here and act like I know. But if he really is setting up meetings or helping forge relationships between David Zasloff and WWE, like, hey, maybe we can come to the table and it will, in it in turn, bumps AEW from its slot. You're not taking sunshine away from AEW. You're taking money off the table and you're taking jobs away from other wrestlers. Yes, and that's no, it's not part of the no, no, that's not happening. It's all Triple H and Nick Khan. It's not mm-hmm. – CM Punk is not telling them to go to it's some that Meltzer, no, It's that Meltzer angle with silliness. No, he's not. No, it's not happening. Right now, Punk is just happy being in WWE. I think him and Sean are getting along, and Punk likes hanging out with the young talent. Um, I think Punk wanted to work with young talent in AEW, but I think – I think there were more fans of the Elite than he realized. But um, the other thing is, this is my opinion anyway. Uh, Seth Rollins is going to lose the world heavyweight title eventually. He's not going to hold it forever. He's not. He's. Not, I'm sorry, Seth. I love you, but you're not Roman Reigns. You're not going to have a 1,567 day reign as world heavyweight champion. You're going to lose it eventually. And if you lose it to Punk, too bad. Guess what? Guess what goes in your pocket when you lose the title? Money. Let's let's cut the crap about, you know, at this stage of the game in professional wrestling, it is not I'm so sick and tired of the oh, I just love wrestling for the good of it. And I don't mind being in 
bars and libraries and armories. You all want to get paid. <laughs> We've seen that video of Alberto Del Rio. Do you think he is happy walking in an empty gym when he was a world champion wrestling in front of 70,000 people at WrestleMania a decade ago? No, exactly. he's not happy at all. He's not happy. <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of hearing that now. You know, they all want to get paid. Look at Will Ospreay. Will, another one of those guys, you know, was in New Japan and he was traveling and da, 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 got paid. He got paid. Yeah, but, yeah, Deanna Perrazzo is going to get paid. Here's the trick. AEW paid him. Now, there, that's a combination of things. AEW not only gave him the platform to have great matches and he has the opportunity to be a great contributor for AEW, but AEW yeah. actually offered more money. That's the most important part of that that a lot of people are burying about Osprey going to AEW, which was announced at Full Gear, that he got more, he got the same amount of money, if not more, to go to AEW than WWE was offering. Money is important. Like, is it the it is. end-all, be-all? No, but it's huge. It's a real big contributor to the decision-making. And WWE, the other problem with AEW in terms of some of these guys is AW wrestles a lot more <laughs> snug than WWE. WWE has learned not to be so snug. And that's another whole badge of honor thing. We like hitting harder. Oh, give me a fucking break. <laughs> it's all about, it's all about perseverance. Cause if the harder, the more snug you are, the more chance you get hurt. And when you get hurt, you're out and then you're forgotten or maybe you're not. Yeah, and I mean, and and sometimes, like, if you work, like, some, I guess it's this idea of, like, taking your licks. Like, I felt that sense in NXT where it was like, hey, we got to, like, hit a little harder and we got to, like, we got to really, like, impress people with crazy bumps because, um, because it's, it's gonna, it's gonna get the fans to know us when we go to the main roster. But at, at the end of it, I don't know if it really did that much benefit for like Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, who are now on the main roster as a tag team. Um, be, and the thing too is that the grind wears on you in terms of like taking all those bumps. You know, so, uh, Steve Austin always says there's only so many bumps on your bump ticket. But look at Charlotte Flair. How did Charlotte t Flair tear ACL? A very, very normal, casual, bending her knee to do a face buster. It yeah. wasn't a freak accident like a, like Rich Holland with Big E. It was just I, she did a move that she always does, and she probably messed up her knee, and she probably is going to wind up missing WrestleMania 40, which sucks. But it happens, you know, and I – don't think it's necessarily like oh yeah like WWE works for like closer contact and uh, or NXT is lightening up now that they don't have they don't feel like they have to push harder to have great matches and AEW they're having this Continental Classic where it's really a G1 and they just have a ton of great matches like um I can't even like count how many awesome matches I've seen in the last month or so um even though some fans have been critical of it because they don't feel like there's a lot of story context sometimes which I think is kind of BS. I think there's actually right. a lot of story context within the matches in the Continental Classic. But some of these matches are really, really close contact. Like, you know, you yep. got Brian Danielson getting his eye, you know, uh, he, he actually broke his orbital bone. So he came back to wrestle in the tournament, but he's wearing an eye patch, but they're selling it. So he's like, but he, he like bladed his eye, like right over his eye uh, to sell it. And uh, against Andrade and 
Brody King is in there and Mark Briscoe is in there doing crazy bumps. Like they are, they are working really, really hard in AEW to impress. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think that they're trying to like, cause we saw that story that came out where when QT Marshall quit that um, he kind of, there was a line fed to him that he feels like it's getting to be too much like new Japan, that it's not focused on sports entertainment. I disagree. I think AEW is focused on sports entertainment. I think the difference is, and it kind of reminds me of when, um, I remember when Kurt Angle and he shall not be named and edge and um, Eddie Guerrero, they were all in the SmackDown six. If you remember that in the early two thousands, but here's the thing. They they were having like great matches and bangers, but they had very little context of sports entertainment to them. It was just, hey, let's just have a carousel of all these guys having awesome matches. But they also had the sports entertainment stuff with Vince with like Billy and Chuck and um and like Undertaker having a cast. And like they had all these really silly like things on from a sports entertainment perspective on SmackDown, but the but they left the wrestling alone. Like the wrestling was on its on this other like on this other side of the programming. And that to me, Scott, is what AEW feels like right now. It feels like, hey, let's do this like sports entertainment stuff with like Tony Storm and the devil and all this stuff. And let's try to be a little bit like what WWE does. But let's do all this awesome let's just have an excuse to have all this awesome wrestling here. Because we're great, we have great talents uh, in the ring, and we can just have great matches. WWE can have great matches. I feel like they hold back too much, but um, I I don't know. It, I know I feel like I'm spinning my wheels with this, but I feel like with AEW, they almost are like trying to split apart. Like this is the fun character segment stuff, and this mm-hmm. is the wrestling. And right. I don't know if that's necessarily the best taste for for fans. You know, it's not for it's not for WWE fans. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Right. I think this Continental Classic is is good. I think it's a fun little thing. Uh, Mr. D'Amato is going to World's End. Uh, if you're listening to this, that's in Long Island. Yep. Yes. It's, well, it's four minutes from his house. Um, he uh, uh, he was telling me he's going. Um, that is, of course, two weeks from tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the day we drop, uh, Friday the 15th, it's two weeks from tomorrow, New Year's weekend. Um, my only issue is why are there so there, – there's two issues with with AEW right now. And, again, we'll dive more into these weeds uh, on our on our year-end special uh, in a couple weeks. Number one, there's too many belts in AEW. Why does this Continental Classic winner have to carry three belts around? The Ultimo Dragon thing got old a long time ago. Because now they're going to be the New Japan Openweight Champion, the ROH <sighs> TV Champion, or whatever the Yeah, fuck. Eddie Kingston put his on the line if he didn't win the tournament. And then a, and then a mystery belt. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what? Fu- you know what's funny? I, you know what? Here's the best part. It's the Divas Butterfly Belt. Come back. <laughs> that's yes. that's the that's the continental classic tournament belt, championship belt. <laughs> and they want to put punk's face because it's the divas belt <laughs> <laughs> um uh i think mjf and 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 joe will be a fun match uh we might as well talk, talk about a little bit about the card now since the next time we talk about it it will be the week after it happens so we'll do a nice as part of our season uh our year in review on the fifth we'll uh we'll we'll recap uh uh, world's end and look ahead to revolution which is of course the big show in early march in Char- uh, in greensboro which will be 
uh, Sting's last match. Um, yes. Uh, I think MJF and Joe will have a banger. I think MJF has worked his ass off this year. Finally being at the top of the mountain after getting fucked around for like three years in that company. Um, the only tip title he held was a fucking ring. Um, uh, I'm glad he's champion. I don't know why they didn't just take the, the him walking around and wrestling the ROH tag titles by himself was getting kind of old. That's the other problem I have. Um, coming up uh, next week uh, will be our mailbag episode. Incidentally, another cheap plug. Our next mailbag, mailbag episode of Through the Looking Glass, Dave Hall and I. One of the questions rumored to be asked of us is, in an alternate universe, instead of creating a brand new company, why didn't Tony Khan just buy Ring of Honor? Instead of making AEW. Now, I'm not going to cheat and give my answer now because I'd rather I'm going to do it with Dave. So check it out on the on the on our network feed uh, next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, the uh, the twenty the twentieth. Um, obviously, Tony Khan didn't start AEW. Let's be clear. Cody and the Bucks started AEW. Tony just had the money. AEW was a totally Cody was a Cody thing with the Bucks and with Kenny. Although mostly I think it was Bucks and and Cody and Tony Khan had the money. Um, I don't know if buying ROH would have been any different, but again, we'll, I will get more into that. You'll hear more about that with Dave and I on this coming Wednesday's episode of, uh, of through the looking glass. ROH needs to do one of two things. Either Tony needs to give up ROH um, internally and have it run by somebody separate from him or he needs to sell it and buying it was a dumb idea everybody like popped a, a chubby when he bought roh and what the fuck is he really oh our wwe's gonna totally mismanage it and they're not gonna know what they're doing meanwhile almost except for except for athena i think every belt in uh in roh is is right now held by a ring of honor by a AEW guy <laughs> so I was happy when I, I enjoyed when I enjoyed the news when when Tony bought uh, Ring of Honor and then I've seen him manage it into goop. Uh, WWE would have done no worse. I don't know if they've done any. I don't know if they would have done any better, but they wouldn't have done any worse. But I wish ROH was bought by an independent entity and not by one of the big two. Hell, I wish I wish Anthem bought it. And it was almost an extension of uh, of um, impact. Yeah. TNA. That would have made sense. That would have been interesting, right? It would have been. It would have felt like it was more in its own backyard. Yeah. The thing with Ring of Honor is like, and me and Jordan have said this on the show, and it it happened last year in the fall when they've just had to have an excuse to have angles so they would put titles on it. It's like it's just a classic trope in wrestling. It's like, hey, how do we make something feel important? Let's put a championship on it. And when they they would so they were using Ring of Honor as championships. It was like, hey, let, this puts prestige on this feud, but it put a stink on it. It put like mm -hmm. this like stink of Ring of Honor on something that you didn't feel like was broken, and you were messing with it. And that's the problem with Ring of Honor. Like Ring of Honor, if you throw it into, it's like. 
It's like if you're drinking a smoothie and then you like throw a really weird fruit in it. <laughs> it's like that don't taste like the smoothie I drink because well yeah because they put avocados in it you know and Ring of Honor is the avocado like it's very very different it's very grimy. Um, have I enjoyed some of the shows that they've had because they got one coming up called Final Battle. Um, it exactly. have I enjoyed some. If you're listening, if you're actually on a side note, uh, Boogie, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to the show, the day it drops, the 15th, final battle is tonight. And it is strictly yeah, it's on in Honor Texas. Club. It's in down it's in Arlington, the Metroplex. And it's strictly on Honor Club. So if you have, if you have Honor, if you have uh, ROH, the stream, uh, it is on there tonight. So I do. Yeah, and I've enjoyed their shows. Uh, just to go back to that, like I've enjoyed a lot of the, the Death Before Dishonors and the they had a the final battle before that. Um, underneath the, uh, Tony Khan's uh, ownership. And here's the thing. It goes back to, like, what do you enjoy about wrestling? For me, you know, some people like the comedy. Some people like the characters. Some people like the backstage politics. For me, it's the matches. I've always enjoyed the matches. So if you have great matches, and they had a couple with FTR and the Briscoes, um, um, you know, uh, rest in peace, uh, Jay Briscoe, then God, you feel like you feel invested. You feel like, man, like they could really do something with this. But here's the thing. AEW's got great wrestling too. And it's not like, it's not like ring of honor. It's not like NXT when they had all that talent that we were talking about earlier, where it almost felt exclusive. Like if you want to see the good shit, it's on NXT ring of honor. Doesn't feel that way. Ring of honor. Doesn't feel like, Oh man, if you want to watch the good shit, it's real. It's not AEW. It's, it's the, it's on honor club. No, no. Ring of Honor is like this weird stepchild that's over here. <laughs> and they and they they're deciding to finally blow off the um the pay-per-views on the Honor Club because the buy rates were so low. They weren't even getting 30,000 buys right. for their pay-per-views. So it was like, okay, we need to segment this into a subscription so that if you get the subscription then then you can watch the then you can watch these uh these pay-per-view events that nobody was buying anyway the mm-hmm. one thing i will i will give tony this and you know it just goes this goes back to another philosophy of just um you know they always say hard work pays off well in wrestling telling stories pays off because the main event is a is athena versus billy starks now if you're not paying attention to ring of honor you're probably thinking what why is that the main event? But if you've actually like been paying attention to Ring of Honor, they've actually been telling a story. And I'm pretty sure that those two women are going to try to go out there and steal it. You know, so um, they're putting a couple of performers in a really good position. There's actually Bullet Combat, uh, Blackpool Combat Club, excuse me, against... Um, FTR and Mark Briscoe, they just kind of threw that in there on the Ring of Honor show. That will probably be a fantastic match. But, you know, it it, feel, it always feels thrown together un, until you see those one or two things where they try to tell a story and they blow it off. Um, and it's just like, Sky, like, uh, you know, I know Vince was the master at that. Pat Patterson was the master at that. Even Eric Bischoff was good at it. Sometimes just telling a normal, like, standard story and building it and building it and then blowing it off, sometimes that's the best payoff. And um, I think this final battle show is a perfect example of it. When you see a main event based off of some uh, angle where they mm-hmm. actually try to tell a story. And right. right now, we're on the road to WrestleMania. Well, not a, I wouldn't even say on the road to WrestleMania. 
we're more like we are the road on starts the, the rumble. Right we're now, on the on ramp bump. where you can where you almost see the first sign saying, "Oh yeah, it's four hundred miles away." Yeah, like we're, that's we're, where we're, we're at now. We're sleeping in right. the back of the bunk. The, 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 <laughs> the gas gets the gas gets stepped on. The gas gets stepped on January twenty seventh in uh, in Tampa. But you know where we're at? We're at chapter one. You tell the story. So we set up. They have a raw where they finally set up. Okay, we've heard these things about Seth Rollins. They've set up the seeds of like Seth Rollins hates CM Punk. He thinks he's a cancer. CM Punk's back in WWE. They have a face to face, and it got a good 18, 18 to forty nine rating, and people liked it. And the fans, the WWE fans, got a chubby on it because they're like, "Oh man, this is like this gives me the feels. This makes me feel like I remember Rock and Austin. <laughs> you know, like generational talents facing off, and it feels like real tension." Well. You're telling a story like you have to. It's all it's all Broadway. You got to work together in order to make it work. Um, uh, and so that that's the that's the beauty of pro wrestling. It feels real, but it's not. But then it becomes real if you're not careful. Uh, yeah, I I concur. Yeah, um, but the story. All, my only point about Ring of Honor is that storytelling actually does pay off. Well, they also need a. Uh, they also need a tele. A, they need television, right? Um, um, and supposedly they almost got on the CW. Like the offer was there, and if that that is true, if that is true, and Tony turned down a CW deal, that is fucking dumb. You never turn down a TV deal ever. Uh, no. No, you don't. We'll see how Ring of Honor is in 2024. We'll we'll talk about that as well. Um, Boogie, it's been a lot of fun. I have enjoyed this. Well, uh, we've we've had a nice yeah. cute, we've had a nice little sprint, you and I. Uh, you could follow you. You can listen to Reesh and uh, and uh, Mr. Duncan on the AEW show um, over on the No So. Um, but of course, he's back here on the main event. You're home. It's almost like no. It's almost like the no. So is AEW, and uh, no, no, and price to be is uh, no. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. No, we're all one happy family here. They're NXT. Um. Anyway, uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Notice Reesh is not making any noises because he doesn't want to rock the boat. Lady, everyone, I said right before, Andrew Reesh is the Ricky Steamboat of podcast talent. He will never turn heel. <laughs> No, Never. only behind the scenes. Exactly. That's right. That's when I. That's where. I'm, that's when I'm wear my headphones over my neck, and I'm like, I'm tired of being nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'll, ask you I'll, I'll ask you this though: Are you kind of looking forward to the Royal Rumble? Because that, if if I'm looking at, listen, I think Reigns is going to wrestle Orton. Uh, I don't know who Seth's going to wrestle. It looks like Drew McIntyre. If I'm looking at it right, that is going to be a loaded Royal Rumble roster. For the totally. Well, because you're gonna and have both. That, you're gonna have both Cody. You're gonna have both Cody and Punk. Yes. So I think there's gonna be a lot of anticipation for that Royal Rumble match for the men. So I well, wonder if a lot of people are excited about it. I think so because well, here's the thing. You've got two, and we'll get we'll get more into this when we get into January. But you've got two opportunities for two guys. Obviously, everyone expects the two challengers for the big belts in Philly to be Punk and Cody. One will win the Rumble. 
and one will win one of the two elimination chambers in Perth in February. My my thinking is Punk's going to win the Rumble because that's one thing he's never done. And I think Cody will win the chamber that will be loaded with bloodline guys. Well, I guess it's only two, Jimmy and Solo, uh, to stop him from becoming number one contender and getting the t- and getting the final chapter of the story that's Sunday night in Philly. Punk is going to main event Saturday night and Cody will main event Sunday night. That's exactly how it's going to go. Yeah, but the intrigue is who wins a rumble. I just said I, I think Punk's going to win the rumble. Oh, and you think someone's going to win the chamber in Australia. That's what I just said. Punk's going to win the rumble. My my this is my prediction. Punk's going to win the rumble because he's never won one. And Cody is going to win the chamber because I think they'll set it up where two of the other chambers will be Solo and Jimmy to try to, in essence, cock block Cody from winning. Maybe even stick Drew in there. Even though he's on another show. Never know. LA Knight is not winning either of those. I think LA Knight, if you want my opinion, and I may change my mind on this, I think LA Knight Switches brands, and I think he ends Gunther's reign as Intercontinental Champion at WrestleMania. Oh. That's, my, that's my opinion. I think LA Knight ends the run of, Gun- of Gunta. And then I think Gunta wins Money in the Bank. That would break my heart if that actually happened. I, I understand that, but Boogie, nobody could win and hold a belt forever except Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And Bruno San Martino. And Bruno San Martino, I was about to say. But they both, but they and Jerry, both. And Jerry, and Jerry Lawler. I think Jerry, Jerry Lawler still no, no, has Jerry, that Memphis title. No, no, Jerry doesn't, no, well, no, Jerry doesn't hold belts long. Jerry just wins them like 342 times, but he only holds them for like six minutes. So <laughs> anyway, hope everybody ha- enjoyed the, this week's show. Boogie, thank you. I love you. You're the greatest. And uh, have a great Merry Christmas, everybody, from all of us here at the main event and at the PTB Wrestling Network. And happy Hanukkah and happy Kwanzaa. We'll be back three weeks from tonight, from today, Friday, January 5th, the first main event of 2024. It'll be the 2023 year in review. Myself, Boogie, hopefully Steve Willie, the Godfather, hopefully Nate Milton. He's been he's had a lot of busy stuff going on in his life. We we love and miss the Godfather, but he'll be back. A lot of work stuff with him. Uh. I don't know, JD, is he around? Get his fat ass out of out of his couch, uh, Reesh, and get him on back on the show. Um, lazy slug. What does he want to want to not be nice? Um, uh, no, we miss we we love you, JD. Anyway, let's let's get everybody back, and we'll have a nice year in review uh, coming up on the fifth uh, to recap twenty twenty three and wrestling, and talk about everything, and look ahead to the road to Philadelphia, Philadelphia uh, for uh, WrestleMania. Uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, Scott C Podfather. Please follow the brand on Twitter at PTB and wrestling. We do the, uh, we do the time travel, uh, tweets every day. Uh, go to the place to be group page right now. There's a poll up. It's going to stay up until Monday. What show would you like Greg Diener and I to do for this month's episode of wrestle tracks? Your choices are super clash three starcade, 1993, or Vengeance 2001. Last time I looked, I think Super Clash was actually winning, which I am very surprised at. But if you haven't voted yet, go to the Place to Be group page. 
Uh, try to get an in, get an invite. We'll let you in. We do a lot of fun things there. We drop the pods. We do polls. We have a lot of fun there. And go there and uh, and pick your pick the uh, match, uh, pick the show that you would like uh, Mr. Diener and I to do uh, for this month's episode of Wrestle Tracks, our, our monthly historic live watch. Um, again, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Enjoy the rest of 2023. For Brother Reesh, I'm Brother Scott. You've been in the main event. We will see you in 2024. Hey, Scott, I found you a Christmas movie that you might enjoy. Really? Yeah, it's called The Iron Claw. It's supposed to have a good ending. Have you heard of the Von Erics? Fritz says, shut up, Reese. <laughs>